The text today is uh, an awesome text. And in classic Paul fashion, he's sort of building um, a very logical case for something. And he does this the entire book of Romans. So if you read the book of Romans, it, you almost feel like, like Paul is, is pretending that he's standing in a courtroom and all of these people are in front of him. And he, he gives you know, exhibit A and exhibit B and exhibit C. And then he comes back and he explains this and dives into this and that means this and therefore this. Because of that, this. And it's, this, it's a beautiful technical thing. Well, he does that here too. Um, it, I would love to read the entire scripture to you, but we'd be here all day. So well, we're going to cut it down to the sort of the conclusion of what Paul is saying. It's, so it's the, the part of the text is the ministry of reconciliation and being ambassadors of Christ. But we're going to have to back up and give you all of the therefores. Like, why are we doing this? What's the basis of, of all of this? And why is Paul concerned with the, the church in Corinth about reconciliation? Well, we'll get a little bit more into it, but he kind of needs some reconciliation with the church. He is, he is not at all unfamiliar with some conflict and strained relationships. So, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we are beginning at verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the, the topic for today, the, the bridge to build today are those with whom we have a strained relationship. So we're going to have that up on the screen right away, but I want to, before we dive into the preaching bit of this, give you a little bit more of that background on Paul and his plenty of strained relationships. And we'll get to Corinth in just a second, but Paul is not unfamiliar with this. If you re recall your scriptures, Paul got into a conflict with Peter. And he was, Peter was treating certain Christians differently than other Christians, this group better than that group. And at some point, uh, Paul just calls him on it and is like, this isn't okay. And then there's this conflict he has with Barnabas and, and obviously probably Mark as well. That conflict was Barnabas wanted to take Mark with them on a missionary trip. And Paul was like, nah, that dude bailed on me once, he's out. So they got into a conflict as well. And we don't know how all of these things resolved. And, and we see also there's a conflict in the church. We don't know entirely what it's about. It's an interesting thing that, that we hear Paul kind of giving the, the teaching about the conflict and the reconciliation that is needed, but we don't know what it is. Sounds like there were some other, this kind of best guess looking at the text, it sounds like there were some other people who had come in 
after Paul had, you know, sort of started this church and got it going and, and moved on on his missionary trip, this other group came in and, and they were preaching something or teaching something, maybe it was contrary to some of what Paul was saying, but they definitely seemed to be trash-talking Paul. It definitely seems as though this other group had come in and, and they had been saying, you know, that Paul, he's X, Y, Z. That Paul, what he was teaching was. And this, just remember with Paul, <laughs> I am really looking forward to the resurrection because I want to interview these people and be like, was Paul just a jerk? Because he might have been, a, like maybe he was right and he's just like forthright and strong of will or maybe he's a real jerk. I, I don't know. But regardless... Paul has this interesting task in front of him to, to not apologize for what he's said and preached and done, but also to try and reconcile a strained relationship. I mean, the church that he started that, that began with his proclamation, he doesn't, he doesn't want to keep a, a strained relationship between him and this group of people. And that's, that's going to be our jumping-off point to talk about us and our strained relationships with people. But let's define what is a strained relationship with somebody. You know, a relationship is strained with somebody. Um, sometimes it's easy to see. You know it because you just don't like them, right? Or you know they don't like you. And it's because of something they said or did or how they act or at work, they're always whatever. And it's just, ugh. And, and you can tell for sure the moment you bump into them accidentally, or you know, I've got to see this person at this time, and you go, all right, what are we going to do now? <laughs> you have to think about it. Or, you know, maybe it is just in general, all right, so I'm going to go, I'm going to uh, see my family member or my friend at this event, the holidays are coming, and you're like, I just hope they don't bring up, or I hope they don't again or I hope I don't, I just don't talk politics, or, or even if it's like, all right, I just, let's, let's not talk about that one little, every time we talk about it, there's a fight. At this point, you're probably thinking, mm, sounds like everybody. <laughs> Correct. There's an amount of strain between us and everybody. If you have to even think like, well, I, I, I know I can't talk about this, or I, I know this is a, a touchy subject, or whatever. I mean, that's just the way it is because, because of sin, and, and sin infects everything. It's, it's like that virus that gets into your computer doesn't affect one program, right? It, it affects every single program. So this, this isn't a, a conversation and a message that's about the most strained relationship in your life. It's, it's really about any relationship, because there's always going to be moments of conflict, of, of strain. There are always going to be times when, when even as a, as a congregation, or a member of a church, you're going to have a strained relationship with me because you really didn't like that sermon or preach too long or think I made the wrong decision. That's, that's just the way the world is because of sin. What is our response well, Paul talks about this ministry of reconciliation, um, but I want to focus first on, I want you to get in your head a strained relationship. It's probably going to be a big one, right? It's probably going to be the, the, the most strained relationship. It's just easiest to think of. So get that into your head and, and think of now that person saying to you, 
this text from 2 Corinthians 5, verse 11. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. What we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. I'm going to leave that up there for a little bit. So Paul is speaking to people who, who have a strained relationship because people were talking trash. Maybe they agree. Maybe Paul did say something dumb or, or mean or whatever it was. He's saying, listen, because of all this stuff before, make it to your left, right? All this stuff before, which we're going to get to in a minute, knowing the fear of the Lord, what is this fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is... We soften this sometimes, I think, as Christians. A fear of the Lord is a real fear. It just doesn't apply to us, right? Uh, think of, in your mind, somebody who is a, um, like a, a real tough, strong, athletic person trained in mixed martial arts, right? Also, maybe like SWAT team, Navy SEAL, but they're like your really good friend or maybe like your brother, right? Are you afraid of him? No. There's nothing to be afraid of. I love that guy. He loves me. If you're breaking into his house at 2 a.m., should you be afraid of him? Yes. <laughs> you should. So what Paul is saying, and this is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge, meaning that we fear, all of a sudden we discover there's this God and judgment is happening. The day will come and there's a creator, like, oh my gosh, uh, how do I avoid this? Well, um, you become his child. <laughs> and now there's nothing to fear. So he's saying, because knowing that fear of the Lord is a real thing, we persuade, we preach, we share the gospel. We, this is what we do. So we know, we know this thing is out there, and we know that people need to know because they aren't his children, we are going. And you were once these people who didn't know, so we go and we preach and we persuade and we do all of these things, but what we are is known to God. And I hope it is known also to your conscience. So Paul draws a distinction. It's, it's not quite a dichotomy. It's like these two different ways of thinking of a person. And those ways are what you do and who you are. And he's saying, I, I hope you know. I hope your conscience is telling you they're children of God. That's, that's exactly. They're known by God. Now, what we do, yep, that can cause some problems, some offense and all of that, but we're going to see this, this dichotomy, this both-and thing happen over and over again this morning in our text of, okay, who I, who I am and what I do. They're absolutely related. Who they are is, is causing them to, to do what they do. Being known to God, knowing the fear of God that's out there, if you're not known to God, that is inspiring Paul to do what he does. And he goes and he preaches and he goes on missionary trips and he does all of these things. So who he is does absolutely impact what he does. And that's how we're going to understand reconciliation and people with whom we are in a strained relationship. Two different ways. The stuff they're doing, but who they are. So let's talk about this, this next text that we're going to go to right away, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16. 5, verse 16, where we started this morning, from now on, therefore. So the, the last point we just had was who you are, what you do. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. 
we regard him this thus no longer. Paul makes the point, okay, so there is what you do, or I'm sorry, sorry, who you are and what you do. What you do is what he means when he says flesh. It's the stuff of the world, right? I can't talk without flesh. I, I, I need the vocal cords to do it. I can't act without flesh. I, I, I can't do something wrong without my physical body to do it. I can't even think of something wrong without a brain to be thinking it. it so what we're doing is the, is the stuff of the world. And it, it, it is everything of the world. The flesh, he, he just uses that word flesh, like I'm going to use the word parousia in a minute, to just talk about all of the stuff, like all of the stuff of the world that is flesh. We don't think about people anymore. We don't even regard them according to what they do and what they say and, and what they do and don't say and, and all of these things that, that can cause us offense, that can hurt our feelings, that, that can cause the strained relationship. We forget about all of this stuff and we focus on the other thing, who they are. And I know you're looking right now and you're thinking to yourself, this is strange because we regard Christ according, we once regarded according to the flesh, but we don't anymore. When did we regard Christ according to the flesh? Well, now think about regarding Christ according to the flesh. You think about him in terms of he's walking on water. That takes a physical body to do. He's calming the storm. It takes his physical presence and his rebuking. It takes his hands or his voice when he heals the sick. He calls out and Lazarus comes out. So we get all of this stuff that is of the world, stuff he's doing, flesh stuff. See, our flesh and the stuff that we do is always tainted with sin. His is not. But the people, Paul is saying, and Paul is even saying he was one of them, we were seeing what he was doing, and that was the focal point. People talked for a long time about the amazing miracle Jesus did. I was there, and I saw it when he, when he fed 5,000. I was there, and I saw it when he, when he walked on water or when he changed water into wine. I was there, and I saw that's what they're regarding him as. But all of those things that Jesus was doing were for a reason. They were to tell us and inform us who he is. That's the point. And, and if you only see these things and only regard the stuff, if, if you only marvel at what Jesus does, you're missing the most important part. You're missing who he is, because if who he is isn't as is confessed by the disciples, finally, much later, the Christ, the Son of the living God, God himself, come in flesh that his death would pay for the sins of the world and give us eternal life. If you don't know who he is, what he does doesn't really matter. This guy did some really cool magic tricks and then died, Right? No, this is who he is. Because if he's, if he's not this, if he isn't who he is, then he's just a guy who died like all the other guys who've ever died, literally all people. So this Paul is saying, just like Christ, we, we are wrapped up on, on what happens and what he did and the coolness of that, and, and we're not looking at who he is. And in the same way, we look at people, what they do, how they behave. They're not doing the awesome miracles. No, they're saying things that are hurtful. They're doing things that offend. They're doing all of this stuff. If, if we regard people like that, we're missing who they actually are. So he says, don't regard anybody according to flesh. That's not what we're doing in God's parousia. 
The basis for this is parousia. Yeah, there's, there's times when you got to use a big nerd word in church because, like I said earlier, huge concept. But in the parousia, what we see is a presence of God. And so when, when Jesus is a little baby, born of a woman in a manger, there's a parousia. It means arrival, presence of Jesus. And there he is. How awesome is that, right? But it tells us something about the kingdom. Wherever Jesus is, we see some kingdom. We're seeing a very specific thing. We're seeing, you know, the, the frailty, the dependence. In the kingdom of God, we are like that child, dependent eternally on Jesus. We are, like Jesus is, frail and weak. That tells us about the kingdom, right? Then we have a different case where, where the kingdom of God is Jesus in his parousia, doing miracles. And then we see a different parousia when we see that Jesus raised from the dead. We're seeing different parousia over and over and over again in scriptures and in the life of Jesus, but it doesn't end there. There is a parousia that we experience anytime he's here, right? And how do we know he's here right now? Where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is. We did that this morning. We have, we have called upon the name of God. There's two or three who are gathered. He is here right now. And what he does, where he's present, is based on who he is. Again, so he's here. So now what he does and where he is present is based on who he is. And what has he done this morning? But pardon your sins and give to you eternal life. Isn't that cool? Like that's, we're experiencing parousia, but now there's going to be a bigger, greater parousia, of course, when he arrives. And so the parousia is, is talking about now. Right now, this is, this is happening. We are experiencing the parousia. But boy, when he comes back, the parousia is going to be even different because there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. And there, there won't be any more forgiveness of sins because there won't be any more sins. And there won't be any need for miraculous healing because, of course, there won't be any sickness or, or death. And this impacts so much of how we understand others. And, and, and I know they won't mind me bringing up Roger and Carol. Right, right now, both of them could use the, the parousia of Jesus walking around, touching people, making mud, or just saying words and physically healing. But if we just focus on that, and, and we don't know that they know who he is, Roger and Carol would be pitied, right? So when we pray for that healing, I do. I want God to, to, to show us the parousia, the, the kingdom of miracles where cancer just goes away or, or COVID just goes away. I would love to see that, but I'm not regarding it primarily as that. I'm regarding it as, do Roger and Carol know who Jesus is? And, and the reason they don't mind me bringing it up Nobody questions it. I've, I sit with them. I pray with them. I talk with them. Let me tell you. <laughs> talk about a couple whose faith is deep and rich, knowing their Savior, Jesus. Absolutely. And that's disregard the stuff over here. If God heals them, awesome. If, if it doesn't work out in, in, in this fleshy world, they know who he is. They will experience the true parousia at the end of time. Where is this all coming from? Let me drive this home by just ripping through some scriptures. I told you we were going to do this. Um, so let's get to 2 Corinthians. We're going to start chapter 4, verse 7. Paul says, making this big push, he says, 
and it actually goes much even before this, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. What is a treasure in a jar of clay? It is this who I am inside this thing that can be broken. Jars of clay shatter all of the time. Death happens to literally every one of us, but there's a treasure inside that is an eternal thing. Uh, the next one we're doing is 2 Corinthians 4, 14. He's building this case over and over again. He says, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence, into that parousia, Paul is saying the resurrection. We're gonna, th- this is the, the basis for the jars and clay, the resurrection. The next one is verse uh, 16 of 2 Corinthians 4. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self, our fleshy stuff of this world, is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. Verse 18, I'm just going to switch to my notes here. As we look not to the things that are seen, fleshly, worldly things, regarding people according to the flesh, but things that are unseen. For the, the things that are seen are transient. They, they go away. But the things that are unseen are eternal. And the last one is 2 Corinthians 5, verse 1, really setting up our text for today, which is this. For we know that if the tent that, if the tent that is our earthly home, that's our bodies, we have a bu- is, earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, it is eternal in heaven. Paul is saying, man, the, the basis for reconciliation has nothing to do with correcting the stuff that people say and do. When you have a strained relationship in your life, you are 100% every single time consciously working in a mode of regarding people according to the flesh. You're thinking, they do this, they say that, uh, who they are bothers me, what they do bothers me, all of these things, you're thinking flesh. That's 100%. It's like breathing. (laughs) You may not even know you're doing it, but you know you're doing it because you know when you're not doing it. You have to actually stop, think, and consciously try to hold your breath. It takes effort to do that. You don't just find yourself doing it. You you have to do it. Regarding people according to the flesh, what they do, what they say, how they live, all of these things that cause us to have a strained relationship, your focus is on that because it is the default box checked in your settings. (laughs) It It is like breathing. You have to stop recognize it, and intentionally say, who are they? Who is this person? And, and disregard what they're doing. Who are they? And, and yes, in terms of, um, are they a believer? Do they have eternal life? Do they have faith? And should we be regarding them in terms of they are a child of God, or are they not? But also in terms of who are they? Are they somebody who has great insecurities, brokenness, I used the phrase in the last service, and it's, it's a very common phrase used in churches and out of churches. Hurt people hurt people. Right? That brokenness. Why? Why is it that this person is this or that? You know that thing that bothers me so much? That, that, they, that thing that they do? It's, it's from a place of who they are. It's from a place of probably woundedness, insecurity, um, a, a childhood that, that has been toxic, whatever it might be. This is, this is why. 
And when we regard them in this way, Paul is saying we have a different reconciliation process or, or mindset. But we also have to put ourselves in that place. Why does it bother me? Why, why does that person, <laughs> is our strained relationship the fleshy, worldly stuff that they're doing, or is it from who they are? But also, is it me? Where am I in this? Is it my insecurity? Is, is it my own weakness? Is, is it my own doubts and fears that are contributing to this? And, and I'll put literally myself in this position and say, you know, I'm quite certain that I have had a strained relationship with everybody because I just preach that that's the way it is. It probably came from insecurity, from self-doubt, from worry, from, from stress, from not trusting the Lord, from, from all of those things, and, and that's absolutely what caused it, 100% of the time. Is it me? Am, am I the one who needs to put myself back in this ministry of, of reconciling in a strained relationship and saying, I'm making a bigger deal of this, or I am offended because of my sin, not really because of what they're doing? And Paul is putting... Corinth in this position, right? Paul is saying, remember who I am, who we are. Your conscience knows this. And he doesn't say, remember who I am, I'm Paul. He says, remember who I am, known by God. Remember who I am, child of God, a sinner, the, the chief of sinners, he even proclaims. Remember who I am? I'm the one preaching the, the ministry of reconciliation because I need it. So Paul is doing this very same thing. So when we are dealing with people, we have to make a, a very specific mindset change <laughs> that we are not reconciling the world to ourselves. We are not trying to reconcile a person to us that, that has done something or said something or be reconciled to somebody because of something I've said and I've done we're not ambassadors between Luke and others, or you and Luke, or you and others. We are ambassadors for Christ. That's our final text. <laughs> Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others, but what we are known to God... Oops, that isn't the last one. Did I do that wrong? Huh. Never mind, I'm going to go to scriptures. <laughs> that's, that's on me. I, I sent the wrong one. No. <laughs> Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled. Paul is saying this. Be reconciled not to me. Be reconciled to God. One more time. Therefore, because of all of this, because of the parousia, because of the resurrection, because the stuff of the world is temporary, because these are just clay jars and, and tents that can be smashed, and because we're just frail and sinful and do dumb things and things we shouldn't do, because of who we are, which is even when redeemed by God, still sinful and broken and, and able to do terrible things, even though all of that is still true, don't reconcile to me, Paul, and, and my companions. Don't reconcile to me, Luke, or to you individually. Don't, don't reconcile to me. Reconcile to God. 
this stuff is just this stuff, and this stuff will go away. And it, this really diffuses all of that and suddenly doesn't even matter anymore because it is going to go away because we're going to die. <laughs> so what's really important is the treasure that's inside, not the jar of clay. What's really important is the, the building that will be built not by hands but by God himself in which we will live for eternity, not this tent that can get smashed. What's really important is, is not the stuff of this world. And, and it's not always in the negative. It's, it's even in, in the positive. It's when, when God is doing amazing stuff at living faith, right? As, as we are getting ready soon to break ground to do awesome things, we see all of the worldly stuff, we don't for a second forget this is because of who he is, who he's made us to be. We are his children, and because we are who we are and, and root ourselves in being a child of God and not the stuff of this world, but we root ourselves here, we do this. We make sure we're proclaiming Christ to the ends of the earth and to little kids in an ELC and proclaiming it to visitors who walk in online or, or all of that. That's, that's, that's what we do because of who we really are. We lose track of who we are. We forget about others and who they are. Even if they don't have faith, they are still God's kids. He still loves them. And they're as broken and frail as us, so we preach to them reconciliation, not with me, you, you can keep doing the terrible things you do and annoying me and making me not want to go to Thanksgiving dinner or something like that. You can keep doing all of that. But if you know Christ, then the, the true parousia is yours. Resurrection is yours. And once we get there, we're cool, man. <laughs> we, we regard people thusly. So that person in your head right now with a strained relationship, stop thinking about what they're doing. Or the their attitude or their personality, all the stuff of this world. Don't think about that. Think about who is this person? What is it that's driving them? What is it that's, that's causing this? And, and it's about who they are. And do they really know who they are or who they could be? A beloved child of the kingdom of God. Amen. May the peace that surpasses human understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Would you please stand to pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have made me who I am, that the death of your son Jesus and the forgiveness of sins earned for me on the cross is given to me as righteousness. So who I am can truly be your perfect loved child. Now, Give me strength to behave that way, to live that way, and to not regard others in terms of what they do, say, or, or anything that is of this world, but rather teach me to stop, to consciously consider them as who they are, and treat them as one loved by you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Receive the benediction, the Lord bless you and keep you, the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give to you his peace. Amen.